What the hell is the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. He tried to get me in mid-chew. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Ballsy, the best damn Dallas Cowboys podcast. You can't say the- that on the air. All right, the best damn Cowboys podcast. Oh, okay, all right, that's better. All right. I am Evan Grant, along with Barry Horn, Kevin Sherrington, and who's on our phone line there, Brian? Good morning, boys. David Moore here. Wanted to give you a call again to speak to you regarding the backup situation and what the Cowboys could consider if Roma were to go down. Okay, David, we appreciate you calling in for more sports. (laughs) David Moore, did you really call in like that on the ticket? What were you doing calling the ticket, David? It's pretty good. (laughs) It's really good. I think that guy sounds exactly like you, David. (laughs) That's very good. How about that? You've got your own mimic out there. People are mimicking David Moore. I mean, that you have now hit the big time. Yeah, that's when you know you've arrived. That's exactly it right. Took, it only took 73 years. <laughs> so, so here's what we know now. If we can't get you on to do our Cowboys podcast, we can call that guy, whoever he is, and, and, and get what we need to know about the Cowboys. I think that's Tony Romo. You think it was? Well, I think it's Romo again, doing David Moore. Yeah. Say whatever he wants, and then I'm responsible for it. So that's even better. That's never bothered the book world. That's though. never bothered you in the past. It has it saying saying stuff. Well, good off point. Time. Yeah, <laughs> David. Well, excuse me. Who's this? This is Evan. How are you? Oh well, hello, Evan. I'm I know surprised you. After after what they said about you last week, I didn't think you would be back. Well, they tried to kill me, but I just won't die. Yeah. Uh, they tried to coup. It was very. I mean, we all talked behind your back, but I was surprised they actually said it on the podcast itself. Well, everybody here at the paper, or I should say at, at, the, at the podcast, was talking about how smooth it went when Evan was out. I missed you, Evan. Listen, I, I'm sorry. I was out covering my beat. Wow. Uh, Were you? Uh, Were you really? <laughs> Not really. Is that why you weren't on the last podcast, really? Not really. Evan, let's go. So, David, we're into free agency. How's it going for the Cowboys? Your thoughts? A little low-key. Little, uh, if, uh, if you like re-signing your own free agents from a 4-12 and team to instill uh, confidence in your fan base going forward, I would say the fan base is overwhelmed is, is, with joy. Is Jerry Jones, like, uh, is he gagged and tied yeah, they, up? Got him, he's in a closet In, in a closet. and I, I can't believe he's just sitting by. And, and allowing this to happen. People are not talking about the Cowboys. Well, they're still talking. They're talking about how they're not doing anything. So it's one of those, uh, again, I think people talk about the Cowboys regardless. It's whether, while they were silly to throw all that money at that free agent, uh, although he's better than what they have, why would they spend that money? They'll regret it in the long run. Or what's he doing just re-signing all of his own guys? This team has too many holes it needs to fill. It's got to upgrade here. So... There is a bit of a, a since uh, you guys opened up Pandora's box earlier, I think there is a bit of damned if you do, damned if you don't uh, mentality here. That being said, you know, this, this is not surprising. This is really, you know, three years ago when they went out and signed Brandon Carr to the $50 million deal and signed seven free agents back in 2012, that was the aberration. You go back over the last 
nine seasons, they've actually lost more players in free agency than they've signed and replaced. Uh, they've been very judicious in the money they spend in free agency because they believe, by and large, that you have to pay a really uh, a player who is a really good player. You have to play, pay him as a great player in free agency in order to get him. And a great player, you have to pay as a transcendental player. And uh, I think you saw that with Olivier Vernon in New York. Uh, here's a guy coming off a season with seven and a half sacks, which would not even have led Dallas last year, which ranked near the bottom of the league in sacks. And he gets a, a monstrous contract to go to the New York Giants. But I think we need to point out now there's more than just sacks. We talk about uh, pressures, hits, that type of thing. And I think Pro Football Focus had him as the uh, – if he was not the top, he was at least the second-best edge rusher in the NFL last year. So there were, And the fact that the guy is also 25 years old. I'm only saying this because I wrote a column saying that they should have made a run at Olivier Vernon. And, and, and I, what I want to ask you is, did they at least kick the tires on the possibilities? They kicked the tires, and when they saw the prize, they didn't. They felt it would have let them uh, compromise them on the salary cap in order to make other moves uh, as far as the filling out the team. And again, while I will point out he was the sec, I, he was ranked top or whatever. Uh, that was in the second half of the season, and it was the second half of a playoff drive season. And if he was that dominant of a player, why would Miami allow him to go a younger player and then come in and spend money? Uh, to get another guy to come in and replace him and then remove the transition tag. Well, I think he's a very good player. I, I think he's, I think clearly he was the best when you consider age, uh, when you consider ability, he was the best pass rushing defensive end on the market. But uh, would you consider him one of the top eight to ten pass rushing defensive ends in the league? If you do, I think it's toward the bottom of that list, not near the top. Well, let me ask you a question about Miami. Uh, there's another player Miami uh, let go who the Cowboys may or may not have been interested in, the running back, Lamar Miller. Um, what is it with Miami? Are, are they, are they, what's going on? It's a city it's a in South question. Florida. I... No, no, no. I mean, here you have Apparently, perhaps... according to Chuck Carlton, they have a very good basketball <laughs> they team. Do. By the way, Final Four they, team. David Moore, in case, as, as you'll listen when you hear the uh, college basketball podcast, Chuck Carlton thinks Miami, the University of Miami, is going to the Final Four. Does he really? Okay. I'll no, but but, but my, if, if these guys are so good, Lamar Miller and Olivier Vernon. I guess you're saying why weren't they any good then? They had an well, Indomitian well, too. Or, you, or, not why, were they, why is Miami allowing them to walk? They, 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 they're trying to build a team as well. I th- yeah, and they're, they're allowing Lamar Miller to walk, who's a 24-year-old back. Correct. So in their estimation, they determined that, you know what, uh, this guy is not a lead back in the traditional sense where you hand it to him 20 to 24 times a game. We're going to hand it to him 12 to 14 times a game, kind of manage him, and he's very effective and go from there. Uh, he feels he can carry the load. He feels he can be a 20 to 24 carry uh, a, a game back. And so he, he wants to go, wasn't willing to, to sign there. And, and I think it's like a lot of times uh, – um, you know, Miami has it in their mind. This is how you use this guy. He wants to be used differently. Uh, you're not going to pay the money, the difference to do that. And as, as we've talked about before, running backs are in a lot of ways devalued in this league. I think Miami's sitting there looking at it. Well, you know what? We weren't winning with him. Uh, same thing with Vernon. We weren't winning with him. Why are we going to pour all this money into two players 
that we still weren't winning with, let's go ahead and get some new talent in here and see if we can build it up that way. You, let's that get some old guys right. in here. Let's get Mario Williams in here, who's about five years past his prime. Yeah, and, and again, to me, that was baffling where you had, you had Vernon on the transition tag, and then you bring in Mario Williams uh, and, and let and let you know Vernon go in the process. Now, I, I think with I think with Miller, I think Miami's just going. Well, look, we can pick up a very good back that we can plug in, and we'll just move on from there. Uh, and I think now Dallas did have some interest in Lamar Miller, but they weren't going to pay Lamar Miller more than what they refused than the, what they were willing to pay Demarco Murray last year. You know, Miller came in with about. Uh, two million more in guaranteed money, and about about half a million more uh, a season average pay than what they were willing to offer Demarco Murray last year. Now, Demarco Murray set a franchise rushing record for Dallas last year on a franchise that had Emmett Smith and Tony Dorsett before him. He was clearly the offensive heart and soul of that team. They saw what he meant to that team. They're projecting what Miller would be to the team. So I think Dallas has drawn a, a very, you know, it, a financial line in the sand, if you will, on what they're willing to pay a running back. And when Lamar Miller got over that, they just went, you know what, we wanted him, but not for that price. Now we're going to turn our attention to the draft to have a back to pair with Darren McFadden going forward. We're not going to pay this. Uh, but are they going to be able to address that in the draft if they've got these other pressing needs in, in, in terms of a pass rusher and, and, and secondary needs? Should they not have have targeted a position to improve in free agency? I don't want to say regardless of price, but even if it was at a, a, a price point at which they were uncomfortable. Yeah, no, and I thought it made sense from my standpoint, which, again, the club officials rarely take my opinions into no. consideration. Let me tell you, they should. If not, they should get that guy from the ticket. Uh, I'm, sure, right. I'm sure he's pretty <laughs> stupid. Yeah, he'd be ready. But, uh, you know, my stance was, you know what, maybe, you pay, maybe you're willing to overpay a little bit to get a Lamar Miller because then that allows you in the second and third rounds of this upcoming draft to, to go strictly defense. Stack up on defense, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because, again, young, uh, young, fast, aggressive players, you can plug into a defensive scheme in a lot of ways, regardless of position, much quicker than you can on the other side of the ball. And I don't think Dallas needs all that much on the other side of the ball. And again, uh, but again, I would have been for that. But I think what you're seeing now, I think you saw the formula flipped a little bit because I think with them signing Cedric Thornton, who is going to play that one technique for them in the defensive line, he'll take uh, Nick Hayden's place. When you look at how this draft is setting up, there should be a lot of talented defensive tackles in the second and third rounds. Now I think you will not see Dallas. I think that's off the board. They feel we don't need that position now, so they can take a running back in the second or third round. If they so but, but, wait, but when the Cowboys have taken uh, uh, defensive ends, Gregory Lawrence, everybody says you can't just put you can't just plug them right in. It takes a year for a defensive lineman, a pass rusher to develop a defensive end. Yeah. Pass rusher, defensive end, yeah. Pass rusher. Yeah. Uh, yeah, to, to, he's to, talking to about an interior line. But what they, but what they need is they need pressure on the court on a quarterback. Right. Okay. So that where's that going to come from? The defensive ends, Correct. pass rushers. So so if, if they do that in the draft, then the, then I'm afraid what we, we're, they're going to say is, well, not this year, maybe next year. 
See, that, that was my point about taking by signing Olivier Vernon. You relieve that pressure from that because here's the deal. If they take Joey Bosa at four, right, right, uh, which I think there's questions about what kind of pass rusher Joey Bosa is going to be in the NFL. He's Greg Ellis. Uh, I think he's going to be Greg Ellis myself. But anyway, which is not a bad thing, but it's, it's not, not a great a thing. But, uh, but not a great thing. To me, if you if you had done that, then you really take the pressure off of having to take as many defensive players because I do think on the other side of the ball that uh, that certainly a Derrick Henry in the second round would be a nice pick if he's there. If Josh Dotson was there at, in the in the second round, I think that would be an an automatic, and I think that would really change this offense. Derrick Henry him. in the second round? I don't believe he's going to be left in the second round. Do you? Oh, what if, oh yeah, I think he'd go. In the what second what, round. what if the, the Cowboys round. need a tight end, Kevin? Hunter Henry, you know, of Arkansas are always there. But, no, seriously, I do think that, that a guy like Josh Dotson, that's something that this, this Cowboys, and we discussed that before on our podcast about the fact that, that Terrence Williams is not really, to me, a number, number two, two threat. Well, uh, let me ask David Moore. Do you, do you think he's a number two, Terrence Williams? No. I think, well, I, I think he's capable as a number two. I think if you're an elite offense, he's probably a number three uh, or, or a 2A uh, if you will, uh, he he can fill that role if you have a strong running game and you have a healthy Des Bryant. Sure, he can do that. Can you upgrade that position? No, no question. Because I, I think you've seen some limitations in how he runs routes and how he puts himself in position to make plays uh, down in and down out. For he doesn't me, fight for, for the me. Ball. A number two is a guy who could step in and perform at an adequate, not necessarily sensational level, but at an adequate level in replacement of a number one. And granted, the Cowboys had their own issues with Romo being out, but Terrence Williams completely disappeared from this offense. And and, and so from my perspective, that is definitely not a number two type receiver. Uh, I think that is something that they've got to address. And and again, for me, it just goes down. You're, You're talking about so many different holes that they've got to fill. And I would have thought that the place where you could have filled most above average going forward would have been running back with Lamar Miller uh, and the Cowboys. Yeah, I disagree with you there. I'm I'm not a running back guy in the free agency. I frankly, when when why because of the Demarco Murray fiasco in Philadelphia? No, 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 no. Because uh, listen, when they could have kept Demarco Murray, I, I got that, but not so much just because of what he brought to the table as a running back, but because he was such a leader. Uh, you know, he was everything that uh, that Jason Garrett likes in a football player. So I, it was more than that. I thought they should have they shouldn't have given him what the the Eagles gave him. I think if they had given him what he wanted, which I can't even remember what that number was off the top of my head now. It seemed like it was six million a year. Was that right, David? Is that, is that what, on what, uh, what Demarco Murray? No, no. What what yeah. the Cowboys were offering at Demarco though at that? Point. They 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 stayed on four years at twenty million with uh, twelve million guaranteed right up to the end, and then when he got the offer from Philadelphia, they bumped it up to four at twenty four. So they got up to six million. Yeah, that's what that's right what I, that's right what I at thought. The end at the right. last gas. Yeah. And then that, but that time it was too late. And of course the Eagles, the, the, I I wouldn't have given them what the Eagles gave him either. But, but, but my point is is that other than the fact that you, you have to be careful with rookie running backs because they don't always, they're not always good pass blockers, they don't always pick up the blitzes, and when you've got Tony Romo as your quarterback, you need to have a guy who can do that. Other than that, I just think it's the easiest position to find in the draft is a running back. I just think that there, there, there are some difference makers out there. there. There are only just so many Adrian Petersons out there. And, and everybody wants one of those, but uh, but but I think you can find a guy. It, whether that's I think that, and I'm not a huge Derrick Henry fan, but I do think that he is perfect 
for what the Cowboys do. I, I think that with, in a zone-blocking scheme, big, powerful, fast running back, I think he'd be really good in the Cowboys' uh, uh, running game. Yeah, if he's, if he's there in the second round. In the second round. I think he could be. It's possible. D- uh, David, are you surprised by the Lance Dunbar tour of the West Coast? I think it shows you what a special player he is and, and how he brings an element to an offense that there isn't a lot out, out there right now. Uh, you know, the, the question with Lance going in is, coming off the major injury, it's a little unclear right now if what, what if anything, he's going to be able to do in training camp. So I, I think uh, these other teams are just trying to get an idea of where he is physically and when he would be able to contribute. But, you know, we talked last year, and it, and it, it sounded a little silly based on what his history had been here, that when the, the big hit for Dallas after Romo and, and Des Bryant went out was when he went down in the in the third quarter of that New Orleans game in week four. And that that was the last legitimate offensive threat that would challenge a defense. Uh, he could do it with his quickness. He's, uh, you know, he had back-to-back games where in the third game, I think he had uh, 10 catches for 100 yards. And then the game after that, he came back and he had three carries for 54 yards in the first half in that New Orleans game. So his ability to get on the edge – uh, as a receiver out of the backfield, really gave them an element, uh, almost a, a Darren Sproles sort of element, if you will. When yeah, he he's Darren Sproles' lot. I don't think there's any question about that. But the problem for me with him is, is uh, you know, we we talk about uh, Darren McFadden's injury history, but when he came here, it's like, oh, can you really count on that guy? You know, he's uh, Lance Dunbar has been hurt just as much, it seems like. Yeah, and, bo- and both both at times, Came where he was really starting to show something. You know, the other time was on Thanksgiving on that uh, Oakland game where he had a couple of big plays, uh, and then he got hurt there uh, several years ago. And, and both of his injuries have come on kickoff returns. So, um, I guess know, we don't want him doing that, huh? Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see coming back. You know, Dallas would like him back. Now, but here's the other thing: we were talking about Lamar Miller earlier. You know, if they would have gotten Lamar Miller, I don't know that you re-sign. Uh, Lance Dunbar, because while you like him, I think the way you would have used Miller and McFadden, I don't know that there would have been enough touches uh, to justify Dunbar, the the sort of contract he's likely to get, so you probably wouldn't have done that. But now, so you're going to go with a rookie back, it appears you're going to pair with McFadden. Uh, I, I think there's still a role for Lance Dunbar in this offense, and I think he would prefer to stay here because the coaching staff showed last year they finally figured out the best way to use him, and they would use him. Um, but that's, that's not a lock that he's going to be here, and, and it depends on which back they pick up and, and create in, uh, in the draft. And, and again, like I said, uh, the, the injury concerns with him on just exactly when will he be back, and when he is back, will he be as explosive as what we saw last year is a question mark. But he's... He's a very good niche player, if you will. And, and the other thing, while he is Darren Sproles' light, and you talk about his size, he's a strong guy for his size. He actually lifts weights with the tight end. Uh, so as far as when you're looking pound for pound on the team, he is one of the stronger guys on the team. Evan Grant, Evan Grant could lift weights with uh, Gavin Escobar. I just want to say that. And well, how quickly you've turned on Gavin Escobar. Oh, no, I, th- I'm, I'm crediting you. That, that, that was a pat on the back to you, Evan. Listen, David, we are 18 minutes into this podcast, and I'm just I'm, – I'm aghast. I'm shocked 
that we have not yet addressed Johnny Manziel. David's going to the news conference this afternoon when the Cowboys okay. announce they're, they're signing Johnny Manziel. David, let well, me. First, I thought you were saying you were, we were 18 minutes into this podcast and you were bored and had lost interest. He's already so doing well. That was doing his ranger. He's doing his ranger stats, even as you. Talk. I had to wake him up to, to ask you that question. I, I'm a little bit concerned about uh, this question. Can you recreate for us the conversation you had with whatever Cowboys sources uh, you talked to about Johnny? And did the questioning go somewhat like, "Please tell me you're not going to sign Johnny Manziel." <laughs> That was that was a given. That the, the tone was there. I don't think that was expli- explicitly expressed in the question. Uh, no, the question was: Look, you know, this organization, uh, Jerry Jones, has has made it very clear publicly on several occasions that he's had a fascination and infatuation with Johnny Manziel. We know what took place leading up to the draft in, in two thousand and fourteen. We know that he has made comments since then about wanting Johnny Manziel. Um, you know, this organization is not going to be able to escape those questions, uh, really probably until Jerry himself comes out and declares something. And even then, I don't know if that's going to put it all to rest. But the question is, would you, especially since you're looking, you know, given your position, a quarterback of the future, all this sort of thing, any interest in bringing in and talking to or signing Johnny Manziel and uh, was told definitively that would not be the case. He was not coming in for a visit. They were not looking to do anything uh, at this time until he gets his life in order or not looking to do anything until he gets his life in order. And I think think that's a stance a lot of teams will take. Real quickly, I'll throw this out. I had always thought it was plausible for the Cowboys or another team to go to Johnny Manziel and say, look, we're going to sign you to a one-year veteran minimum contract and place you on the non-football illness list. You will not play a down for our franchise in 2016. You will go to rehab. You will show whether or not you're committed uh, to getting your life turned around and, and working on this addiction. We're going to see how you integrate yourself in to learning our offensive system how you interact with everyone else here at the franchise when you're in the background and there is no chance whatsoever you play. And then at the end of 2016 season, we will sit down and evaluate whether or not we'll sign you to a contract. To me, I thought that was a plausible scenario for Johnny Manziel if the team does that. And I thought Dallas might be willing to do that. I've been told that they're not willing to do that. So I I guess you bring up the the, the most salient point here in, in all of this is that I think for everybody, the the events of the last couple of months made it a, a non-starter that the Cowboys would would even entertain the idea of bringing him in here, and yet Jerry has not definitively come out and said we aren't. And and until he does, do you think that that possibility somehow in whatever situation in whatever chance lingers out there, does Jerry have to come out and say it or not? Well. I think even if he comes out and says it, I believe the level of skepticism is so high, uh, given his previous comments. I think a lot of people will still just roll their eyes and say, well, see, Jerry said not now. He didn't talk about next year. He said we have, he'll say something like, you know, we have no interest in this time. And, because Jerry rarely speaks in definitive. Or, and he rarely speaks in the English language also. But that's <laughs> another issue. 
Oh, it's a joke. Oh. No, actually, I think it's pretty accurate. <laughs> you know, I, I think you're making a great point here, because here's the way I think that Jerry looks at this now. This is a revelation to me, is that Jerry feels like that Johnny Manziel won't play anywhere this fall. I, I don't think he will either. I don't think that any team is going to sign him. He will not play in the NFL this year. That's one more year down the road, and and Jerry, are, as, it, as we already know, he thinks that Tony Romo is going to be here for four or five more years. That's one more year he wouldn't have to p- pay Johnny Manziel. But then he, he would think that uh, if he's got his life all straightened out, then he might come back with Johnny. Yeah, I mean, we're farther down the road. I mean, look, this is, this is at least Jerry's indication on why he is leaning against taking a quarterback at number four uh, is because he, he believes that Tony Romo has four to five more years. Now, we joke because Jerry said that for each of the last two to three years, so I guess that would make it up to eight years from when he first said it. But... Uh, he knows that the clock is ticking there, but his point is you can't get a quarterback in here too early because you'll lose him. Uh, Brock Osweiler is an example. Uh, there's a guy that was brought in to be the quarterback of the future, gets to the end of his first contract, and he goes to Houston. Uh, you know, Kirk Cousins is another. Here's a guy who, who's brought in, uh, gets to the end of his contract, and then the club has to franchise him. Uh, because they want to see another year of him before they make the determination if they're going to pay uh, the $100 million contract in order to keep him. And Jerry's concern, Jerry, while Jerry is aware that he needs a quarterback in place after Romo goes, his concern is getting the right guy in here too early and then not having enough information on whether or not to keep him yeah, uh, I... because he hasn't played enough. So, so in, from that now, you can say that's flawed logic, and, and, and you're fine to say that, but I think in Jerry's mind, it's like, okay, let's just push this, let's just nudge this down for another one to two years, and then we're going to go all in on getting a backup quarterback, and I think that's where Jerry leans toward doing. And so you play this Manziel scenario out, uh, yeah, a year from now, he's on the open market, you're getting a first-round pick four years after the fact, for minimal dollars. But should he, she, should, he shouldn't have been a first-round pick when he was a first-round pick, should he have? Well, not not well, based yeah, on what he's done now, no. Not based on what he's shown on the field. But he was, a, he was field. a first-round pick and he was a first-round talent. The problem yeah. that I'm going to have is that Johnny Manziel will have played very, very little football over the past, what, three years at that point in time? And that's you know suggesting that he has gotten himself uh, "Quote unquote," right? I, I go. I, I want to go back to the Osweiler comment. Y- you know, that's that's a legitimate example in that Brock Osweiler, you know, ran and signed with Houston uh, after this past year, and he certainly would have been a candidate to be the Broncos' quarterback of the future. Oh, he would. The deal been. is, Brock Osweiler helped the Denver Broncos win a Super Bowl, and that is the ultimate goal. And if you win one Super Bowl with that guy contributing a significant amount, then he's completely worth it to me. And and I just don't see why Jerry doesn't ever – it doesn't seem like he ever grasps that. Um, he's always searching for for uh, something that, that doesn't seem to exist. It, it, making- here's what the deal is with Jerry. Jerry does not like to think about what ifs. Jerry just wants to think he's always Mr. Positive. This is going to work out. This is going to be okay. That's insurance. I don't want to pay for insurance. Jerry's, Jerry, Jerry's drilling a well 
And he knows that well is going to come up a gusher. Right. Is essentially what, what Jerry's all about. Right. He knows Tony Romo will be healthy for the next four years. If there yeah. is one thing that I have learned over in baseball the last two years in watching it in other sports at the same point in time, it's that as we have removed some of the PEDs from sports and the ability to recover more quickly from injuries and and, and, and taking some of the uh, amphetamines and things like that out of out of sports, the ability to recover is more minimalized. And that makes depth so much more important. And teams that win are teams that have depth. And if Jerry doesn't understand that, but you're then talk- I think he's got very basic You're, you're talking about logic. a sport that doesn't have a salary cap, a, a sport that does have, have a salary yeah, cap. Yeah, it makes a difference. And the quarterbacks are expensive, and I get all that. But to your point about uh, the, the fact that, that, you know, why does Jerry do this? It, it's just simply the fact that he doesn't want to have to count on that. And I think that – I. Frankly, I'm not sure that Jason Garrett gives him any. You know, I think he supports this notion. He has said before publicly that you know we don't want to develop a quarterback for somebody else. It's which an to, to asinine me, argument. Well, I, I think it Evan, is too. Evan, did you like those three Super Bowls in the '90s? Wow. Yes, I do. Okay, wow. thank you. All right, listen, we're, we're we're closing down here. I want to ask. I want to get back to something on the defensive side since that's where the Cowboys' problems all all are uh, essentially. So, if they're bringing back Mo Claiborne, what does this mean for Brandon Carr, David? Well, I think what this means for Brandon Carr is let's see how the rest of free agency plays out. If they sign Nolan Carroll, uh, the corner from Philadelphia who was in, you know, another corner they had an interest in, Green Bay, Casey Hayward, signed yesterday uh, with San Diego. So uh, I believe Carroll's the only other cornerback that they've had in that, that I know for sure that they have an interest in. If they sign Carroll with bringing back Claiborne, with the potential of, one, either taking Ramsey in the first round or, two, coming back and taking one of those top corners in the, uh, the third or, or, or fourth round, which there should still be some good players there. At that stage, I believe that's where they go to Brandon Carr and say, look, we want you back here. We don't want you back on this salary. Uh, which which is $12 million this year. Is that, is that not correct? Yeah, right. yeah. Um, you know, we it, well the cap hits like thirteen point four million this year. Yeah, so uh, you go to him and you say, "Look, uh, we want you here, um, but we're not going to pay you. We're not going to pay this salary to a guy who hasn't had an interception in two years." But but they're going to have to be covered first, and, and in my mind, right now, they're not. So they haven't been serious about it. If they sign uh, Nolan Carroll to a contract uh, here in free agency. Then I believe, my understanding is before the draft, they're going to accelerate it and go to Brandon Carr and say, look, you know, you take this salary, we want you with us going forward. If not, we're going to drop you on the market after June 1, and you're going to get even less on that market than you could for us. What decision do you want to make? David, remind us about uh, Orlando Scandrick's status. Uh, Well, he blew out his, uh, he had an ACL and MCL uh, in training camp last year. Uh, so never got to the regular season. He should be cleared and ready to do things, at least on a limited basis, in OTAs. From last I heard, he should be cleared to go in training camp. But again, this is my other point here. A lot of people say, oh, well, you're getting the guy who's your best corner the last two years. Right. Well, he won, your, he won your best corner last year because he never took the field. And now he's going to be, what, I think 28 years old, coming off a major knee injury, having missed an entire season, can you say unequivocally 
that he is going to be your best corner going forward and will be as good as what he was in the previous two years. I'm not sure you can say that yet. Now, you may be able to say it as the season goes along, but you can't say it now. So corner, in my mind, is, is a big issue with them. And, and as I know people have a lot of issues with Brandon Carr, and he certainly hasn't lived up to the contract. That being said, he doesn't miss games. He's a very solid guy. He doesn't make plays is the issue. But who it's in a big the issue, Dave. That is, that's a big issue. issue. It is a big yeah. issue. But it, yeah. is, is Nolan Carroll an upgrade over Brandon Carr? I, from what I can tell him from talking to people, I think Nolan Carroll, when healthy now, he had an ankle injury that then knocked him out toward the end of last year. He is a more physical player than Brandon Carr. Uh, what, you know, it's one thing not to make plays. It's another if you're not really regarded as a physical corner. And Brandon Carr has gotten a little better in that area, but he's not what you would say is a physical corner. So Dallas wants a more physical uh hard-hitting guy out there on the corner. So from that aspect, it would be an upgrade. Uh, Carroll's also had a, a few interceptions over the last couple of seasons, so that, that would that would rank him slightly ahead of Carr as well. Just b- by a few? Yeah, two. Oh, by yeah. a few. Yeah. yeah. Which, which, uh, is, which is more than double, actually, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> David, we are, uh, we are going to let you go for the time being. I know you've got to call back into the ticket with another report. Um, but uh, how do we know this is the real David Moore? No, I don't, I don't want to leave. How do, how do we know you are the – I think we need to vet you on that you are the real David Moore, not the fake David the, Moore. The, da- the oh, there's, doppelganger. There's one way to verify this. There's one how way to verify this. How can anyone I can verify this. know that? Yeah. David, what is your favorite red varietal? My favorite red varietal would be a Coke Daron. Oh, uh, that is the real is David Moore. Can I ask you a question? What are you guys talking about? <laughs> wine. David's a big winophile. Uh, You're a big winer. He's a big winophile. Wow. David, th- David, thanks so much for getting up so early with us on this Monday morning. Oh, thank you. I Really, I can't think of any other way I would rather spend and start my week than with you guys. Wow. That, I, I, that, that was just dripping with sincerity. You could be spending it with Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. I will be next week at the league meeting. Actually. Oh, I. Oh, maybe we oh, could. Fo- maybe we could track you. T- where Where are those league meetings? If you could, if you could bring him in, and then you, the oh, two of you, on. could talk. We could have both of you on. Y'all could trade the headset on back and forth <laughs> while we're talking. How about that? Where are the league Jerry meetings, David? I, I wouldn't get the headset that often, but but we, he would still do that. Yeah. They will be in Boca Raton. Uh, oh, that's Evan. where the GM meetings were at uh, for yeah. baseball. Evan, now you can t- regale him with your favorite restaurants in Boca Raton. No. No. All right, let's uh, say goodbye. David, we are going to let you go. We will see you. Uh, hopefully, we'll get a t- chance to talk to you in Boca next week. Okay. Look forward to it. At the Boca. On some level. Thanks, David. All right. Thanks, guys. Be well. So, David's left us. Yes, he has. Um, we think it was David. N- not not soon enough on his for his part, from yeah, his, I, his I, point I, of view. I, I could tell that he was, he was losing interest in us. <laughs> he was petering out. In the last few minutes. Oh, I, I think that uh, I think David makes some good points. He shot down my column idea about Olivier Vernon. I don't like that. Uh, I don't like that he says that he's only going to be in the 
maybe the top ten. My point about the Olivia well, Vernon. We'll, we'll oh, know soon enough because he'll be playing against the Cowboys yes. twice. He looked pretty good against the Cowboys last year yeah. and against Tyron and, Smith. He got two sacks against Tyron Smith, I want to point out. Hang on, so game. you just don't like it. You don't like it when people disagree with your That's correct. No, no, no. My, my point was what he we were saying. He hates the world is what he said. It's always, pretty much, yeah. it's always situational when, when, when you come in a free agency. You cannot say – you should never do this. You should never do that. I know that our, our our buddy Goose Goslin says you don't go out. You do you, you just patch with free agency. You have to study every opportunity you have each and every year and decide where are we right now. What would best help us right now? And, and I listen. And I think that in some regards, when you compare baseball free agency is different without the salary cap. Yes, right. but you do consider all potential eventualities. The difference with baseball for me is that the pre-agency season is so drawn out. You've got more time to formulate plans, formulate contingencies. With a compressed free agency process like football, you do kind of have to go in almost with a scripted plan well, n- yeah. not only and, that, and act proactively. In baseball, yeah. they, they trade. In, in the NFL, they don't, they don't not, trade. There's not a lot of trades in no, the NFL. Almost none. Almost none. So that's the only way. To, and, of course, they have the best draft. You know, there's no question the NFL draft is by far the best way to build of, of all the, the, the major professional sports. Uh, I don't think you read the people who uh, who uh, text Evan and who, who talk no, about the No, the NFL draft is the best way to build a team absolutely. in professional no question, sports but th- with immediate, re- immediate results. Absolutely. Because you've got 50 rounds in the baseball draft, you may end up getting more contributors, but that's four or five years. Yes, you're lucky the if these guys show up three or four years later. And, and generally, you you feel like in a baseball draft, you'd like to get two eventual impact players. That makes a successful draft. Right. The NFL draft, I feel like you, you think you can get impact players in what, half of the three to four of the, of the seven rounds? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Evan, you, Evan, you need to be, and that's where that's where the Cowboys have been coming short. I'm going to quiz Kevin Sherrington here. Tell us oh, no. what, what, what else we have on the podcast today. What what else we have on the podcast today? See if you can remember. We have, let's see, we talked to Chuck Carlton oh, about your bracket. So here's the thing. You need to make sure you listen to this before you fill out your bracket. Because you might want to rethink it and put Miami in your you final four. You might want to put Miami oh. in your final four, according to Chuck Carlton. I like Chuck's uh, final four. And we also have a uh, discussion with uh, John Daniels today. That's going to be uh, a one-on-one between Evan Grant and John Does Daniels. John Daniels know it's just going to be you and him? I don't think he would have agreed to it if he would known that Barry and I were I think I out. told him that I, I would be calling him for the podcast. I don't think he knows that at this point in time you guys are deserting me. I hope you have a plan B. Yeah. Uh, it'll, it'll be good. It'll be great stuff, I'm sure. Just don't, yeah. don't nod off. We have a real chemistry. Yes, y'all do. Y'all do have a real chemistry. Like oil and water. Yeah. yeah. And vinegar. So there, there's, the, there's the music. So Brian's telling us that the podcast is now officially over. Brian, Brian has people to see, places to go. <laughs> go things to no, do. No longer and, and wants so to do so do you, gentlemen. And uh, I appreciate you allowing me to enter the office today. It, it's been a pleasure. Uh, and, uh, do you know I will Kevin's be- off this week, I think, right? Yes, I am. I'm on vacation this week. And what better way to spend your vacation? Oh, with you guys. Ballsy. That's right. Did your wife know about this? Yeah. Okay. We will be with you again next week. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on Ballsy. Ballsy. Bye.